welcome to Upbringing, where Hannah and Kelty, twins, mothers, and works in progress. Upbringing is a movement that empowers us all to engage bravely with the hardest aspects of parenting, to create positive change in ourselves, our families, and the world. Join us to build intention, elevate skills, and align our parenting practices with our greatest ideals. When we practice trust over fear, connection over control, and progress over perfection, we're not just raising our kids, we're raising ourselves. Let's show up and grow up. Welcome to the After Show, where we reflect on our conversation through a parenting lens and get you some links to learn more about Gretchen. What was a highlight for you, Kel? Well, there was so much fun stuff to consider and explore as a creative, as a parent, as a child, just as a person. Totally. She had me kind of swirling around in like every every facet of my being, past, present, and future, basically. I feel like the real, the big takeaway that I got from our conversation, the thing that kind of kept coming to the surface as I thought about it, is this idea of black versus white, rigidity versus mm. fluidity, um, instinct versus intuition, um, flexibility or, you know, rigidity versus flexibility, yeah, trust and fear. Yeah. I mean, it, and, and what's in the middle of those things, all of those extremes, how easily we can kind of be pulled in those extremes and live with those extremes. And the idea with Gretchen that is so very obvious to us and something we talk a lot about in upbringing, upbringing, which is, I think why we love her so much is that we can connect on this is that all the magic lies in between all of those extremes. Mm -hmm. Um, But we are just, you know, not so used to working with those playing in the gray, so to speak. Yeah, totally. I, one quote that she said was about her early kind of definition of success for herself and how she felt that it was more rooted in recognition than meaningfulness. Mm -hmm. And I think it's really true that, and this is something we talk about so often, that success in our terms or my terms or your terms doesn't need to be the same as what we're told culturally. Mm -hmm. And as parents, it's one of our biggest struggles, you and me, to be constantly redefining success for ourselves, not just as a woman, not just as a parent, it being this new profession of our lives, not just what what was successful in an entire day, but even down to what is successful on an interaction level mm-hmm. or on a task level, you know, or a moment the, to moment level during your day. As all a the things, the little things that add up to something. All the things, really big. Yeah, yeah. I think we just we're, we've been constantly having to to redefine that, and I think that's what it is. Is we're redefining it as much as we're changing. And this, the word success to us, it sounds so static. It sounds mm-hmm. so, like she said, in, in our culture, there is a very rigid definition of success. It's very fixed. It is mm-hmm. very fixed. Success yeah. sounds like a destination. Success sounds like attainable or unattainable bullet points um, as opposed to the journey, which is what we're always talking about. Well, and the journey sounds so cheesy. I mean, totally. I feel like I, we need to think of another word besides know, like, journey. The journey is Ugh, the destination. Like, all those like crazy phrases are actually like feeling really fucking true these days. Yeah. But I think just considering success 
you, you know, I've talked about this a lot where we, we used to live in a world where we were validated for our performance, where we were praised, where we had, um, were able to complete things and had that, that successful feeling of completion, where we were gaining income, where, you know, our intelligence was valued or confirmed or, you know, reflected back to us. And I think that when we became parents, we quickly realized that we don't have those types of success at all. The, the playing field is completely different. And any, I think we realized that so many of our challenges and frustrations and resentments and stress was applying this previous definition of success from college, from the workplace, from TV, from culture to this new arena of parenting. And it just, it did not fit for us. It, I think I realized that it just made me really unhappy. Well, I you think know? partially too, is we had this opportunity because we were full-time stay-at-home parents for a number of years to really have to dig in deep about what success meant to us. Mm-hmm. Because I I remember looking at some of our other friends who decided uh, to go back to work, um, you know, more quickly after their kids were born and they were able to get those other sort of um, validations, whether mm-hmm. it's income or, um, you know, just you know, an expression of gratitude from your boss or, mm-hmm. you know, high fives from your coworkers or the feeling of getting dressed and looking good and people appreciating that in the workplace right. or any of those things. So they got that. They were still struggling with not getting those things necessarily as parents, but it was very evident mm-hmm. as full-time stay-at-home that this world no longer existed. No, we were not getting paid. Right. We were not, we couldn't even finish a task like the dishes or like, dressing a child before something else happened and pulled us yeah. in the other direction or like trying to it's like half your hair brushed yeah like I right. mean half of everything done not constantly maybe not even <laughs> half if, if you're lucky um you know we didn't have children and babies who were like good job mom you oh or this meal was delicious oh my gosh thank you so mm-hmm. much for the time and energy you put into cooking it and thanks for caring for me and we didn't have husbands necessarily that were spending every minute being like wow she needs validation because they were searching for their own um, place in the world too. I think part of it too is this new, uh, the actual work Mm -hmm. was so much of that work was actually invisible. Mm -hmm. So having to sort of put names to these things that you were doing that weren't even visible tasks like, could I get the laundry done? Could I get all the dishes done? Did my kid go to sleep? Were they fed? Mm -hmm. Like that's a very visible list of things that you're not getting validation. Well, because they keep coming up. Like, I mean, you you write a report and it stays in a binder. You can see it. It was done. Check. You know, and yeah. anything we did, it was it would literally be we'd do it, it would be done, and then it would okay, be and undone. It would be undone. So yeah. those were the visible things. Not only would they get done and then get undone, but there was a list of invisible things, mm-hmm. like a transition, for example. How do you transition your kid from a meal to the car to go to the store? Mm-hmm. That is something that should be on the checklist that you got done, but it's not on there. Mm-hmm. And or even <laughs> then you're at the store and you got the groceries, but you also had to deal with almost meltdown they wanted this one thing that's also like something that could have been valued or or devalued and i think that leads us to this idea that when living in these black and white terms of success the opposite of success is failure and when you when you and it's so easy as a parent to constantly feel like a failure yeah to be tempted all the time self in a self-imposed way Mm -hmm. even to have a sense of failure 
in as a result of not having these more um, mainstream um, like definitions of met. success mm-hmm. met. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, my kid melted down three times today. Like today sucked. It was a failure. You know, I didn't get anything done. Like nothing. Nothing got organized or nothing got fully cleaned. Failure. Um, we didn't make it out of the house today. Failure. You know, I yelled. Failure. It's so easy to think in, in terms of those things. And I think that's why I think that success, realizing coming up against this new term of success was hard enough to make us want to start redefining it and renegotiating mm-hmm. that whole idea. But I think what the real clincher was, was realizing that when we had that definition of success, like it created this feeling of failure. That was the flip side of you it. You can't that hold was on with to it. one without the other. No. And right. that was a, a, a paradigm or like a dichotomy or something that we... Paradox? Uh, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm tired. Um, that uh, we didn't want to be living within anymore and working mm-hmm. with anymore. We were seeing, I think, that it was not serving us. And do you know what I mean, Cal? Yeah. I think it brings us around to the growth mindset kind mm-hmm. of topic, which is something we're constantly looking at, not just for trying to build that within our kids, but to constantly bring it back into how can we be operating from the growth mindset well and the, as that, much as that possible. generally is the fixed mindset versus growth mindset so fixed mindset is saying that things don't change you 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 are what you are you have the the traits that you have they're inborn they're unchanging traits skills everything, everything. yeah or the growth mindset saying no this is all a process and you can be growing you can be changing um, there's potential, infinite potential for any situation, for any person, for any you know moment or skill or anything like that. Um, and so we will talk a lot more about that with how to be working with that with our kids, but just in our own context, uh, context, you know, mm-hmm. it's um, it's an interesting way of thinking. And I think it comes down to happiness over suffering. Do we want to feel like we're constantly failing, you know, with these small successes, or do we want to feel like everything is a process of becoming. And I think that's when we started being like, well, if we're going to say success, let's just say everything's a success. It's this it kind of goes back to our whole, the hard stuff is the good stuff. Let's just look at the hard stuff and call it and good. Great. And, yeah. say, and say, we can find value in it. There's meaning in it. Because if we call it a failure, what happens, Kel? Then we feel like a failure. And then what happens? And then nothing. We get, we get stuck. We feel stopped. We wallow dwell react emotionally i think that's remember what gretchen said she said something about a shift in perspective can be the difference between being grateful for the life that you're living or feeling like you're struggling Mm -hmm. you know so Mm -hmm. it's making that choice Mm -hmm. for whatever this whatever the actual incident challenge situation day whatever it is if you can look at that with gratitude and curiosity and um and, and, and to a certain degree, excitement, mm-hmm. um, you, w- you won't feel like you're struggling. So you're saying then, like, look at a blowout at the mall with gratitude and excitement and curiosity and see it as a success, sure. not a failure. Well, I think that is something we always say is like when we start feeling like, oh, this is stressful, this is, um, this is hard, this is not feeling good, this is, I'm starting to get triggered and frustrated. Mm-hmm. To start saying, and if we even if we aren't able to in the moment, maybe later that night, this is good because. And the more often we can do it in the moment, 
the the better we can, can engage with the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, but even if it comes in a debriefing way later, it's mm-hmm. absolutely valuable. So maybe, you know, you drag everyone home and it's terrible and it's really hard. But later that night, you think, wow, well, that is actually good because I, I got to restock the diaper bag in the car. <laughs> now we have a, a like an actual um, pl- plan for when my kid shits their pants in the in Target or whatever mm-hmm. it is. And oh, it was so cool too because now my older daughter got to take on this role of as helper. Is that better? I changed your. Yeah, I just want to turn it down a little. Okay. Um, mm-hmm. Anyway, my daughter got to take on this role of helper that she didn't really get to, and she was really excited by this whole, the whole like drama around having to go buy some diapers, buy some wipes, drag him to the thing, tell the people at the front that they had to clean up an aisle, whatever, mm-hmm. and um, it ended up being this sort of like galvanizing event that led you to setting yourself up to for it to not go so difficultly le- next time and connecting with and your connecting kid with and your building kid. their skills i think too I, I don't know you and i come from a competitive um background sure. you know we did sports we did you know competitive with academics you and i i wouldn't say are innately competitive people but that is the culture that we've grown up in and i think a lot of people who also um are from that background could could be like well all of these things you're saying sound like honorable mention to me they mm-hmm. sound like excuses to make you feel a little better because you lost, you failed. Mm-hmm. And I really think it's just this huge shift that Is we're that needing like a to tiny make. little voice in your head that still <clears throat> says it. Yes, it does. Yeah. And I think it's one of those things where we're needing to literally rewire our brains about what is good and what is bad. And not just with being like, well, I'm just going to turn this into something good. Just silver lining Just because, this. just right. because or otherwise I would, uh, to protect myself from feeling failure. You are literally, you're doing that because you know what I mean? It's not a protective thing. It's, it's actually a proactive thing. It will move us forward. It's the, it's the healthiest, yeah. best way to look at your life is to say, why did this happen? This is good because why? Yeah. And I and like, Gretchen said that too through her like neuro-linguistic programming mm-hmm. courses she's been taking. And that one of the pillars of that is that there's not failure. There's only feedback. Well, yeah. If you look at anybody who has ever done anything or become anything, you have to believe that they have lived a growth mindset life, that they have always looked at any kind of failure, the only word or setback as a fail forward opportunity. Any single time they've had an issue, they've been like, great, this is interesting information. I guess I'll pivot. I guess I'll calibrate. I guess I'll grow somehow. Um, They've never been like, oh, now's the time to beat up my ego, wallow in this for a while. That's Mm -hmm. just, I just see that as wasting time. It's just a waste of our fucking but time to be doing that. I think that's what it is, that. Hannah, is that it's our egos tripping us up. Mm-hmm. It really is the times that we get lost in that competitive um, swamp mm-hmm. of, oh, I didn't succeed, or I didn't win, or I didn't get the pat on the back, or I didn't, any of those things. It's all about external validation mm-hmm. instead of intrinsic motivation and growth mindset. Right, but how can we all just eschew that, that whole like innately personal and very long lasting part of ourselves I think that we've grown com- up with conversations like this yeah. getting friendly with talking about that aspect of our personality our ego as being there and that being okay and bringing them along for the ride but just not letting them not, s- guide the ship yeah you not know? taking it as seriously or but, as truth yeah. or as fact as right. whatever it is but that is really just 
this idea of success and failure, you and I see them as a lens that we put on our life. They're not truth or fact, like you said. They're not how things actually are. That is literally just the way we're choosing to look at things. Um, And the people who succeed, quote unquote, but truly like move forward in their lives in really big ways or really enjoy their families or can really get shit done are people who see all of these things, the hard stuff as the good stuff, because that is what allows them to lean in and participate Mm -hmm. and grow and learn rather than stop and have big feelings about it, you know? And I think that Gretchen brought that up in a way too. She called it sort of like calibration, following a compass of calibration. Mm -hmm. She referred to it as living in a state of active stasis where we're perpetually calibrating and realigning ourselves to our North Star while also not being totally attached to the North Star that's working for us now because it might not be the same one later. Mm. Like That's what she's working in her critical conversations Mm -hmm. um, doing for people is is saying how can we keep you perpetually moving um aligning calibrating um being aware of what's going on with your eye on the prize whether that's um a future that you want a goal that you want or whether it's just your true self your mm-hmm. um your real like kind of spirit your value system whatever your whatever inner that voice is. Yeah. whatever that is yeah um yeah i love that How do we do it though? Yeah, I don't know. I think that if we're not living in this black and white world of success and failure, if we are deciding to be playing in the gray and living in the middle, then all we need to really be doing is instead of giving the answer, the external answer of win or lose, yes or no, playing the label game, it's about asking the word why. And that question comes from us. Those other things of success and failure were from the outside world and we've internalized them as our own voice, but they're not. And what our own voice truly is, is why. That's what I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, I think that this whole idea of calibration is about asking ourselves questions that help us think more clearly about the choices that we're making. So why you know, do I need to be getting all of these things done necessarily? Why is my child getting really upset about this one thing? Why am I having the desire to yell um, when this doesn't happen or when my kid won't do this or that? Mm -hmm. And I think calibration has a real power because it helps us analyze our attachments to certain outcomes in our lives. Like Gretchen said, expectations. And question, why am I doing this? Why am I wanting this? Why am I seeing this? None of this has to be real. I get to choose. This isn't just happening to me. I have some power here. Yeah, and I mean, she, Gretchen said that her workshops, her altruism by design workshops are really about saying, have you even asked the questions that challenge your way of doing things? Mm -hmm. And I think- in tossing all of our definitions of success and failure, we are having to do that. We're having to ask these questions that really that really put our basic assumptions um, and those, those kind of like classification structures mm. to the test. Well, I think that just asking ourselves questions, we don't know what the question is until we're prompted with a struggle. And the struggle is what creates the question in mm. my mind. It's the catalyst. And it's the catalyst. And I think that that struggle is revolves around little people 
And those little people are the problems very often. I think it's so typical again in our culture to be like, they're the problem, we need to fix them. They're the issues, we gotta stop this, we gotta fix this, we gotta change this. And what we're trying to, to look at and to think about is saying these problems, these little people and their their issues are the ones that are spurring those questions. And anytime we have a struggle and we're having an issue, that's a, the prompt, that's the catalyst we need to be challenging our way of doing things and thinking and asking why. Yeah, she said that it's about understanding how your value system affects every choice you make and trying to get more connected to and mindful in your choices so that you understand why and how you have to compromise or lean more into mm-hmm. each value. One. Well, this is all sounding like a lot of work, Kel, and it's sounding a little stressful. <laughs> and I feel like we, I, we also- How many people are still listening? I, but I feel like we also talked with Gretchen a little bit about how this seems like so much fucking work to to be asking yourself why constantly. Like, why would we wanna try and thrive in that way and not just survive and just get through all of these issues? What's the payoff to be constantly being so self-aware, to be constantly asking ourselves why? And I feel like Gretchen mentioned something about how doing this over and over it's a practice it's a process this whole and idea is regenerative and that it's regenerative right exactly that it you can build momentum there's an energy associated with aligning with connecting to yourself and asking those big questions that maybe it feels a little exhausting at first to be like like I remember when I started thinking about what I was eating I'd never considered what I ate all I cared about was did it taste good and maybe how much did it cost but I'd never thought where mm-hmm. is this food from is it good for my body how does it make my body feel? And, and at first, when I started asking myself those questions, I felt like a crazy person. I felt exhausted. Um, I felt very, um, again, ego triggered. I felt very mm-hmm. triggered and um, self-conscious guilty. and guilty and shameful. And it took a, a little while for me to start thinking like, this is okay, this is part of the process. And then as changes started to be made and I started beginning this relationship with myself around food and, and health and stuff, it started getting easier every every little bit, you know. But I think that's what it ends up doing or has for me is it it seems like a lot at the first, but it actually ends up paring things down and making them more simple. Mm. Like, give me an example. Like your food stuff. Mm-hmm. Like it was really a process of of asking yourself that, those hard questions to be like, okay, my body doesn't feel that good with gluten um, or dairy. I'm really trying to keep my sugar down because I know X, Y, Z now. Mm-hmm. Um, that used to be scary information and now I'm empowered by it. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's about getting over that Right, hump it's getting over that hump and now change. you're like, great, I have my, my kind of plan. I have a great awareness. This is mm-hmm. it's taken me into this kind of like mindful, um, intentional space instead of feeling mm-hmm. reactive or just passive with the life you're leading. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Um, what's one more thing that she talked about that was kind of fun? I feel like we have another another big one. Mm-hmm. There are so many things. So many things. Yeah. Um, I just wanted to keep talking with her. Mm-hmm. Um, I liked how she talked about the shared experience of womanhood mm. and how that idea of a collective whole means that everybody is going to be so different and that if we want to evolve, we need to be creating space around different experiences and different choices about what it means to be a woman and how all of that connects to motherhood. I really like that. Yeah. Uh, I like that she was like, we just need to let people be who they are and how they are. mm -hmm. And and that also kind of circles back to to the black and white narrative Mm -hmm. because she, she felt that we as women need to be challenging that and um, giving each other room to express and live in 
our fullest expression, however that looks for each person. And I really love that. But it yeah. also, now that I'm thinking about yeah. it, she said that something about how keeping a society in versions of black and white like that allows people in power to stay in power more easily. Mm. Um, and she was talking about just bigger power sources. And I was just thinking, oh, God, like mm. thinking about uh, myself as a person of power, as a parent. So the, um, right. the, the political climate of our homes. Right. Basically, yeah. like, how can we bring that whole big picture down into our homes? And it is easier to keep things in black and white sometimes. It doesn't feel good. But as a person of power in my family, it, it, it can be easier to just say, no, that's wrong. That's right. We don't say that. We this. Well, in some ways, it's easier to govern in that to way. To govern yeah. in that way. Mm -hmm. um, and she said that it, that when there's complexity and when um, people are given room to grow and live their truths, it makes it a, a more dynamic space that is difficult to govern. So let's give an example. Hmm. I mean, I, th I feel like even just our uh, last episode with Alila, we talked about allowing our kids to disagree with us and believing in their right to do that. And I feel like some people, we got a little bit of feedback about that, oh, which yeah. was really fun that people were like, but you still have to take them to that soccer practice that they don't want to go to, or you st so, you can't so give them another cookie. Right. Why, or, why would you honor like their the disagreeing? Or like the example we gave about um, uh, your kids saying, oh, that's a red pen, but it's actually blue. I can't remember which way it was. And letting them have their own, their own their personal own truth about that, their own opinion, but, their own but experience. But it came into conflict because um, someone wrote in and was like, "But it is a red pen, mm -hmm. so we had that's a couple wrong." People. Yeah. So how do you deal with that? And it launched us into this conversation together too about just um, right and wrong, the whole black and white thing again, and thinking about people's personal truth and how in our family, it is easier to say, no, that's right, no, that's wrong, but how, this is a, still not a very specific example, <laughs> how we wanna be cultivating um, a space that that welcomes everyone's personal truth and opinion and, and values that mm -hmm. over facts. Mm -hmm. And that we can still hold fast to lim limitation, limits, boundaries, all of mm -hmm. those things, while, while still well, I respecting think, and, and valuing I think those. This sounds crazy. And it sounds like politically, this is not how we necessarily like feel. It's very complicated, obviously. But I think when we're talking about our kids and we're talking about their opinions, their, um, their experiences, it is so easy, talk about power, to overpower their experiences and their thoughts and feelings. And I think that when we look really rigidly at something they're saying as, is it true? Do I need to correct them? What am I teaching here? What are they saying? I, you know, um, we're kind of undermining the what they're actually trying to say or what they're feeling. And when we go against what's, what our kids say sometimes, like in a really kind of me against you, I'm the truth teller way, we're oftentimes going against what they're feeling. Um, and then going the way they feel is how they associate with who they are at that age. And so that's why we welcome all their emotions. That's why we validate. We're helping them understand their feelings. But we, we don't want them to ever think that we love them less or that they that we think that they're wrong because they'll assume that they're wrong people. It's all very connected at that at that young age and can be for an entire lifetime. There is a lot but, of research that, that yeah. points to that. Maybe we can pull that out in one of our empowerment episodes. Yeah. Because I know that people... 
um, we even, with the best intention, when we correct, when we <clears throat> say, nope, that's wrong, mm -hmm. nope, or that's a failure, coming back to that, um, we are doing it with absolutely the best intentions. Mm -hmm. um, but like you said, it, research does point to the fact that it can end up undermining their voice, their sense of self, all of these Our things. Our relationship. Right, so the big mm -hmm. question comes to how can we hold those things carefully and gently and be validating those while also imparting the lessons we need to, while also living in reality, living in reality, <laughs> yeah. getting the shit done that we need to get done. Yeah. That's the nuance that we talk about yeah. a lot is being like, how do you do both? How do we respectfully engage with our kids while also getting shit done as parents? Yeah, it's, you the, know? it's the big thing. But I think Gretchen gave a good example saying that when she, when her mom had a hysterectomy, when she was a little girl and she's sort of you know, indicated, oh, that sounds good. I don't think I want to have kids either. Mm -hmm. And her mom kind of, you know, flipped out a little bit about that. Like, oh no, you can't that. Like she's not nine years old and going to go get a hysterectomy, mm -hmm. you know? And, but it's those moments when can we as parents let her have that thought, let her explore that, let her explore that, let her connect to herself about that. Mm -hmm. Well, and when we, when we counter it, when we correct it, when we do those things, we're shutting down the conversation. We're stopping the inner voice. The we're growth. stopping that growth and that experience for them. Yeah. We can still have our own opinion. Her mom still could have said, oh, that's interesting. Like I'm really, she could say, I'm so glad I waited and, and had my kids and then had one. Who knows how you'll feel when you're older. Right, when you're older. Like whatever. Right. And but that's, I mean, we've that's had that happen. Even my her. daughter said yeah. before that she wants to marry uh, my husband and she wants to marry <laughs> her, you know, her, her brother. And I'll yeah. be, I'm not gonna be like, that is gross. That is impossible. You can't marry them. Well, you're you not know? taking it literally. I Again, know. it's not black and white, rigid thinking. I you're know. being like, what she's saying she's is saying that she, she loves, loves her papa. Yeah. You're interpreting and connecting about the meaning, the emotions behind mm -hmm. her words, not seeing them again as black and white, yeah. as literal. But, and Gretchen even said that. She said, if we tapped into our intuition young, instead of having it suppressed the minute we started expressing, what world would we fucking be living in? Mm -hmm. Kinder, looser, easier, collaborative. Well, and I think it's so interesting. She thought that that was theoretical, that yeah. so much would have to change. But what we believe is it is absolutely not theoretical, it's very practical. And it is how we're raising our kids right now, how we choose to raise them, how we choose to listen to them, the space we give them to express themselves safely, age appropriately mm -hmm. in our families is what's going to be allowing them to tap into their intuition young, instead of being in their mid thirties, being like, what do I really think about this? Right. Like all of how us, how do I really feel about this situation? Like, <laughs> yeah. she, she's having to as she said, encourage the light inside of us and that that is the most fluid and easy way of bringing things forth, mm -hmm. you know, of, you know, making our best creations, our yeah. best work. We're all working on that now. Yeah. And that's a practice. That's the more we lean into that, the easier it comes, you know? And I think that the earlier our kids can be getting in touch with just their thoughts and throwing around ideas and words experimenting and experimenting and, and us not freak out and take that as um, very black and white terms and think of it more fluidly thinking mm -hmm. of, think of it more gray in the gray things like when you know. one of our one of our kids says like I hate that person mm -hmm. and our initial reaction is like oh god no um, I want them to be a tolerant person I, wa I want mm -hmm. them to not hate people they can't use words like that I, I just know I don't want them to be feeling this way so mm -hmm. you say things like well that's not a nice thing to say or don't say the word or, hate we don't say the yeah. word hate in our family or yeah. that's not nice you should apologize or whatever right. And what we're trying to do instead is is say, 
hmm, where's this coming from? Or you sound frustrated about this person. We give them other words to use to help them discover that inner voice. If we say stop saying that, then their feeling about whatever that person is going to stop right there. The growth around it. The growth around it. And maybe hate is the last thing that they develop. Like we want them to keep developing, keep expressing, keep refining. And keep having that that curiosity about where their own feelings are coming from so that they can extend that to other people. And Mm -hmm. right now we're that voice for them. It's Mm -hmm. something that we have to keep reminding ourselves is the way that we react to the things they say is how we're hoping that they will react, you know, for years to come. And I think everybody thinks that we always think that, yes. And that's why I'm saying don't say hate Mm because I don't want you to think hateful thoughts later, but like everything we've learned from this conversation with Gretchen, we need to be promoting fluidity, loose, easy, collaborative, thoughtful, mindful um, Mm -hmm. experiences. And a lot of that is about shedding those black and whites. Well, and it's about controlling less and trusting more. Like we say with, you know, pretty much everything. Yeah. Um, That was fun. That's fun. Um, How to find Gretchen. You can go to GretchenJones.co to read about her philosophy and approach, uh, learn about her upcoming speaking and workshop engagements, and to get details on her Critical Conversations podcast and in-person or virtual consultation sessions. Yeah, her podcast just launched. It's awesome. You can also find her on Instagram at Gretchen Jones, where you can delight in her sustainable fashion adventures Mm -hmm. and stay up to date on the events and talented guests she'll be sharing critical conversations with on the podcast. We will be one of them, which we're really excited about. That will be quite the shit show to enjoy. Um, I know. When when she asked us, we were like, are we going to, is that weird if we really just put it all out there? And I was like, oh no, we are getting the full experience. Mm-hmm. We, and we, we did. The, we need the full Gretchen. Yeah, we did. As always, we would love to hear your thoughts on our conversation with Gretchen and our after show. Mm-hmm. So please call, DM, email, contact us through our website at upbringing.co. And lastly, our affirmation to you. You're doing an amazing job. We're so proud of you. We're right here with you, taking steps to better understand ourselves, our kids, and one another. So thanks for being here. We're all growing up together. Till next time.